You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Crossover Thursday here on Locked on Vikings. We are going to be crossing over with Peter Bukowski of Locked on Packers today. But first, I'm your host, your pal in the Kitty Copied Off in Math class. My name is Luke Braun. This episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass. This season, get your football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays, and you can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. We got to start with the, the the worst news I think we've gotten all of camp, which is, I mean, we've been kind of concerned about this with Daniil Hunter, but Daniil Hunter went on IR on Wednesday. The injury report came away otherwise empty. The Vikings tweeted out very proudly an empty injury report, which I think is really funny because, like, it kind of buries the lead there, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, it, it, Daniil Hunter, it's been reported that it's a neck injury. The team hasn't confirmed. They are under no obligation to confirm until uh, they're going to activate him, and if he's like, limited or whatever if he uh, remains on the injury report then they have to disclose what it is but otherwise they don't have to so the best we have to go on is the report from ESPN but it's like a Courtney Cronin report so it's pretty solid Um, neck injuries are really scary this is the worst thing about it Um, going on IR isn't necessarily that bad it means he's not going to play against Green Bay we'll talk about that with Peter a little bit down the line in the show or we're going to talk about a lot with Peter Um, he's not going to play in weeks two or three but he could come back for week four and actually in rapid report actually came on later on uh, Wednesday night and said that he might, that, that there's optimism that it's not going to be a very long injury, but he could be out any time, any length of time from just three weeks to the entire season when you go on IR. So we just kind of have to wait and see. And the Vikings are under no obligation to really release any other information. So we probably won't hear anything about it until it's time to come back. Even if reporters ask, you know, they're just going to deflect. So we kind of just have to sit and wait. But I think my biggest concern is that it's a neck injury, and neck injuries can get real, real feisty. Um, You know, if you remember the John Sullivan thing uh, from a few years ago, that was, I think that was a back injury. Um, There have been other players with neck injuries. Uh, It was, oh, it was uh, Nick Easton missed the whole season with a sudden neck injury, had like a bulging disc. That's the kind of thing that can get really, really nasty, especially if you try too hard to play through it, and if you rush it, so it makes sense that they've been very slow with this kind of thing. He's already been out a month. Hopefully that puts him along uh, a decent rehab path. We've seen him kind of do a different thing a couple of times, which would usually, you know, kind of tell us that he's going along some sort of plan and that that plan is progressing. Um, So hopefully he's not out for too long, but I think for the foreseeable future, at least for the month of September, we kind of just have to look at Unique Ngakwe, and by the way, that kind of uh, explains a lot more about this trade, you know, uh, and, and I mean, it's not like it it was a confusing trade in the first place, but now it definitely makes sense. And I kind of think that it has something to do with uh, with the trade, like knowing that they weren't going to have Daniel Hunter for a while might have helped kind of spur things along. But also if Fadi Odenigba, who I've been singing his praises all offseason, and he now kind of gets the chance to start that I thought he was, I guess, like robbed of. 
So the way I look at it is this. If you thought about the edge position for most of the offseason, it was one of those things that was like, yeah, kind of a concern, but if you look at the players in the depth, there might be a guy who's ready to start, and I kind of felt okay about, you know, the chances for this to be all right. And now I think, you know, that that's kind of where I am at again. We have kind of went through a whole different thing, and instead of Hunter and, and Odenabo, it's now Ngakwe and Odenabo, at least for a little while. And then once everybody comes back, then it's going to be awesome, just like it was with the Griffin-Hunter days. Um, but now it's going to be a, a different group, and it's, again, I think that group isn't going to be as good as it was in 2019 for now until Hunter comes back, and we don't know how long that's going to be, so that's going to be a drop-off, but it was one that I had already, I guess, come to terms with, and we're just kind of back there. I think Ngakwe is a little bit worse than Hunter. Um, I don't think it's by so much that it's like a, a major panic or really even that big of a drop-off from what we would have had, you know, what we thought we had like three weeks ago or whenever that was, um, but I, I think I, I have seen some people kind of talk about like Odenabo being just as good and it'll be totally fine. Everybody's shut up. The, the edge rushers are going to be great because, you know, the, the drop off from Hunter and Odenabo, everybody's exaggerating about it. And I don't know. I think it's OK to be upset about that. Like, listen, we had paid a lot to have a premier edge rushing duo. And now that payment just came to make up for an injury in, in the short term. And that sucks. It's not world-ending. I also saw some people go, oh, all right, so they're going to start 0-5 and, and, and tank for Trevor Lawrence? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa like, calm down there. That's a little much. Um, but it, it's going to be rough, And but I don't think it's going to be, like, world-ending. Um, I mean, again, like, I, I have all the faith in the world in Afadio Denebo. There's even the clips of him beating up on David Bakhtiari, who he's going to probably go up against a lot on Sunday. So I, I feel pretty good about it. There's not a lot else in the news. Again, no, nothing else on the injury report, which is nice. Um, the, the roster then goes down to 52 players. They did use one of their practice squad protections for the week on Chase McLaughlin. So nobody gets to poach their kicker. They must really, really like the kicker as like the future. I mean, Dan Bailey's getting old, so they must really be interested in, in keeping him in the building. Um, they have three more protections that they can use. They have, I, I think... I think the deadline is passed for them to use it, so I guess they just didn't really care <laughs> enough or something. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong there. And then they can still choose. They have all the way up until 90 minutes before the game to choose which two practice squad members get activated. So it's kind of like a 55-man roster. And then they have an extra, like, true roster spot that could go to a safety, that could go to somebody being promoted from the practice squad, uh, or a number of things. And I imagine we'll see that filled before the game, but not necessarily. they don't necessarily have to, especially if the goal was to you know bring in somebody that would have been inactive anyways. So with all those odds and ends out of the way, and of course, we're going to talk a lot more about the Daniel Hunter thing and how it affects week one coming right up. But first, I want to talk to you about NFL Game Pass. Game Pass is awesome. It is my favorite thing. I get to watch all the games I could ever dream of watching. I get to watch games in 45 minutes with their condensed games feature. They cut out all the, the commercials. They cut out all the milling about. They just cut from snap to whistle, snap to whistle, snap to whistle. It's a great way to watch football, especially if you don't want to sit there for three hours. But if you don't want to sit there for three hours, maybe you uh, missed the game live and you need to go catch up and you want to get the full experience of, you know, sitting back, eating chips, watching the whole thing kind of unfold in real time. You can also do that. And my favorite thing is the All-22. You get the coaches film with NFL Game Pass as well, and you can go, when I do tape study stuff, you can go follow along, you can go do your own tape study if you want, and yell at me if I'm wrong. So if you want to do that, go to NFLGamePass.com and you can start your seven-day free trial. That's NFLGamePass.com. It is our first crossover of 2020, week one Packers, Vikings, Locked on Packers host Peter Bukowski with Locked on Vikings host Luke Braun, and we're going to start with 
an offense defense matchup and then move on to the other side of the ball respectively and Luke there really is only one place we can start this conversation just as we started recording uh, a little bit before that we found out that Daniel Hunter is going on IR so oh Packers you don't want to offense... start with uh, Alan Lazard versus Holton Hill <laughs> I mean, yeah. that'll, that'll be fun for like the hardcore old school Big 12 heads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daniil Hunter goes on IR. He has, it, it sounds like a neck injury. That's not officially reported, but ESPN, Courtney Cronin reported it. So that's pretty rock solid. Um, that's pretty scary. Neck injuries are definitely no joke. Um, so he'll miss the first three games at least. If I were a betting man, I would say it's worse than that even. Um, but Right now, yeah, you're not going to have any Daniil Hunter to deal with. For the first time since he was on the Vikings, he was going to miss he's going to miss a Packers game. Which is particularly brutal because they just made this big deal for Yannick Ngakwe specifically to have this dynamic one-two punch. You lose that and and now, you know, it's more like it would have looked like if we had this conversation a couple weeks ago, one premier pass rusher on one side and some question marks on the other side. So, let's go back in time. And tell me about the guys that are going to have to replace Daniel Hunter in this matchup. Because there are some players that the Vikings like there. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, honestly, I wonder if, you know, I mean, Daniel Hunter was already, had already sustained the injury when they made the trade for Ngakwe. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. Um, but the other guy is uh, Ifadio Denigbo. He was a seventh round pick a bunch of years ago. Um, he is now, he's in like the last year of that rookie contract and he is more promising than you would expect for a guy that was like a rotational backup for most of his career. He's somebody who I've kind of been touting as like, he can be a starter. He's my sleeper for the year. Of course they trade for Ngakwe and he's not going to get as much opportunity anymore. But if Daniil Hunter's out, suddenly the opportunity is back. He's like a power rusher. Um, he's not, he's kind of very different from Ngakwe because you know he wins with like a bull rush with strength there's a lot of power he has plenty of pass rush moves and stuff but it's definitely more of a power thing and blow you back and get you know win the leverage and and kind of collapse the pocket versus Ngakwe who's focusing more on penetration it's a different style thing and so now the challenge is not having somebody like Daniel Hunter who's good at both you're going to have to kind of figure out which tackle you want to attack with you know which style of rusher, but if Fadio Denebo, I maintain that he is a starting quality edge rusher. So it's not like they're just like throwing some guy off the street out there. This guy was definitely ready to start, and the Ngakwe trade put a damper on it. But I, I think that I, again, I wonder if they made it because they knew they weren't going to have Daniel Hunter for a while. And of course, long term, it's amazing to have uh, both Ngakwe and Hunter once Hunter comes back. But I guess what is going to be the matchup here? We we of course have Bakhtiari. Um, I think that might be uh, Odenabo versus Bakhtiari. He liked to rush more from the right, I think, in camp. Um, but Ngakwe rushed from the right plenty in camp as well. Um, but I know he rushed from the left, from the defense's left more in Jacksonville. And who is he going to go against? No, Billy Turner's hurt. And the Packers have been like super tight-lipped about this. So what's going to be the, the plan there at right tackle? Matt LaFleur has not ruled anything out. And that's sort of where we are. I mean, you look back a couple of years ago, different uh, coaching staff, of course, but the Packers played the Bears on a Thursday without any offensive tackles in the game. They, they played like three guards, a center, and a backup guard center and, and beat the Bears. And so uh, the Packers have a, a, a history, at least a recent one, of, of being able to have this kind of versatility because someone like Elton Jenkins, I mean, Matt LaFleur legitimately said Elton Jenkins could play right tackle. 
was a really good left guard for the Packers last year. Lane Taylor in that Bears game played tackle and, and did so admirably. So they have some options there because they really like Lucas Patrick on the inside, just gave him a contract extension to be their, their swing interior offensive lineman, can play center or guard. And so it, the fact that you can slide Lane Taylor and Elton Jenkins out to that tackle position gives Green Bay options. That being said, when camp opened, Rick Wagner and Billy Turner were competing for that right tackle spot. The preferred starter, I think, was Turner. So technically, this is going to be a backup right tackle, but the Packers did sign Wagner with the idea that he was going to compete to start. So you're still probably going to see Ngakwe over there a lot more than you would have if Hunter played, I assume, right? But it, you, you still have someone who, at least in the past, last year he's been hurt and has been hurt in camp. If he is something close to healthy, not on the injury report this week, uh, then I think you, again, have a starting caliber player much in the, in the vein of, of someone like Odenabo. Yeah, so I, I think this whole thing and like who gets the advantage off of all of these in injuries is going to come, come down to who had the better depth. And that is, I think, a much more fun question to think about um, than just kind of like decrying doom and gloom whenever somebody goes down. But the other weird thing on this side of the ball is, of course, the cornerbacks. And, you know, everybody who's yeah. ever asked me about the Vikings from like locked on NFL to the crossovers and stuff has always been like, okay, what's happening to all those cornerbacks? You lost all the cornerbacks. And the thing is, they all had really nice camps, but nobody stood out as like the best one. They all just had good camps. So if you were to ask anybody in the Vikings organization, they're actually super hyped on like Holton Hill and the rookies and Mike Hughes, um, but the initial challenge here is a daunting one, and that's slowing down Devontae Adams. I think the Vikings are going to play sides. I don't think they're going to have anybody shadow like they used to with, like, Xavier Rhodes because there isn't one that's, like, head, head and shoulders better than all of the rest. Um, so I, what is going to happen there is Green Bay is going to be able to dictate the matchup. They're going to get to choose where Devontae goes and plays. So if you're Matt LaFleur and you have your choice of matching up uh, Devonte Adams, you know, on on the left side where he'd probably go up against Holton Hill, on the right side where he'd go up against, I think that'll be Mike Hughes, or in the slot against Jeff Gladney in his first NFL start. Uh, yeah, what what would you do? Yeah, I think I mean that's a obviously a rhetorical question. It it comes down to how much the Packers want to play Devonte in the slot. What is their appetite for doing that? And last year he played you know, around 20% of his snaps in the slot. It's something that I think they're going to continue to, to exercise uh, in, in terms of that, that leverage that they can create. A two-way go against any cornerback is tough. And then when, when the receiver in question is Devontae Adams, that gives you even more options. It also creates potential size matchups. Jeff Gladney is that like 5'10 and a half, 5'11 kind of cornerback. And the Packers have Equinemia St. Brown, who's 6'5", Alan Lazard, who's 6'4", 6'5". So that also could give them uh, some matchup options there. Uh, I'm wondering, from your standpoint, I mean, this is dovetailing into our, our conversation with Hunter, if the Vikings can't rush the passer. I mean, Mike Zimmer has been a magician with these corners. They, they didn't play great last year. And because the Vikings have a great pass rush, really good linebackers, and probably the best safety duo in the league, it didn't matter. They still had a really good pass defense. Can that be the case with this inexperienced group of cornerbacks if the pass rush is not on the same level? 
I mean, that's been the, the, the question all camp because we were losing, every, you know, we've been talking or all, all off season, we've been talking about losing Everson Griffin. Um, right. Now it's, you know, kind of the same thing where you went from, all right, can Hunter and Odenabo do it to, all right, can Ngakwe and Odenabo do it? Um, so I, I guess, yeah, if there's no pass rush, yeah, that's going to make it tougher on the, the young corners, obviously. But I think the, the Mike Zimmer's always been able to find a way to get some pressure. Um, the, very few times has his defensive lines just been like shut out, even in times when the personnel isn't there or guys are hurt. Um, you know, he's always been able to manufacture interesting blitz packages, find ways to get uh, Anthony Barr around. He's been able to find ways specifically against the Packers to kind of counter a lot of the like wider arm techniques that the, the, the Packers offensive line use with yep. like speed to power and bull rushes and stuff. He's been able to do that. So I think he will be able to find a way to get pressure. It's just going to cost more when you can't just have a guy like Daniel Hunter generating it for one-on-one, -on -one. you know, they're going to have to do weird pressure packages. They're going to have to align the linebackers in weird spots. And that's going to be a costly thing that you can probably take advantage of. Um, but I think they'll be able to get pressure. And the other thing here is this is the Dom Capers revenge game. Uh, he's not calling any plays or anything, but we'll pro you'll probably see a familiar blitz or two. Um, you know, he's a guy in the room and he's helping design some of the blitzes, some of the things from like four, three under packages, which looks a lot like the three, four that he ran in green Bay. Yep. Um, and he'll be able to kind of do some of those blitzes. So I, I think the, pre I mean, of course it would be easier with Daniel Hunter, but I think the pressure amount is going to be fine. It's just a matter of what the Vikings have to pay to continue to get that pressure. And then that's where Aaron Rodgers is going to have the opportunity to take advantage of it. If he can kind of dial it up and figure it out. What, what makes this matchup particularly interesting, given the, the personnel and, and all the things that we just talked about, is the Packers seem to want to play bigger this year and, and get big to throw and get small to run. And yet against the Vikings this year, especially now with this Hunter injury, that may not be the best way to attack them because if you're going to have the linebackers and the safeties cover guys – that's kind of, if you're the Vikings, that you, you sort of want teams to, to dare them to do that because that's how the Vikings can win. And Michael Kendricks, excuse me, Eric Kendricks is one of the best linebackers in the league, full stop. Anthony Barr can, can cover well, well enough. I mean, the, the image of Cooper Cup torching him in, in uh, L.A. on a, a Thursday night is, is burned into a lot of people's minds, but he can move. And then, obviously, Harrison Smith can do whatever you need him to do I don't think Green Bay is going to be able to make hay doing that the same way they will against other teams. They're sort of the, the reverse of a team like the, the Eagles offense where they can always play big if they want to. The Vikings can do that. Yeah, and they did a lot of like inviting that kind of thing in 2019. And, they, and to decent results, they did that with Philadelphia. They did that with Detroit where they basically played um, like a bunch of kind of too high and dared people to, to just throw deep against it. And those deep throws were lower percentage things and they actually got it. Um, and they... So, so I think, you know, what they actually want you to do is interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, in the Monday night game last year, of course, you know, Aaron Jones ran rampant in the yep. playoff game against San Francisco. They had it absolutely, you know, I mean, I mean the, the physical ground and pound game absolutely torched them. So I don't think it's that unviable of a strategy if you wanted to be like, oh, no, we're just going to like pound the crap out of you with, with uh, like A.J. Dillon or whatever. Um, or I, I don't really know what the Packers plan is there with all of the like size, all the beef that they drafted and all that. But I, I don't think it's that AJ out of Dillon's the question. Size. That's the only thing you need to know. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it's like out of the question to try to take that. But if I were Mike Zimmer, yeah, I would probably prefer that you put the hands in, you know, I, I would prefer a game where it's in Eric Kendricks's hands versus a game where it's in like the rookie corner's hands. 
Yeah, and I think that that is, I wouldn't say problematic because obviously Green Bay didn't play that way um, last year against the Vikings, and, and it worked, although they did. If you go back and watch week two, and I'm sure you've done that, um, the first drive, the Packers were in big personnel the whole drive, 12 and 21. I think it was a five-play drive, and they were in either two tight ends or two running back sets the whole drive, and they just marched right down the field. There's like a ton of play action in that, right? A ton of play action and, and some interesting um, uh, package plays where you have one look and then a look off of it and then a look off of that. I mean, it was, it was kind of the perfect um, early season first drive kind of thing, which the Packers were really good at all of last year. Um, yeah, and then it would like fall hot. off later in the game. That, exactly. I remember that being the thing. Yeah, and and there were a number of reasons for that. One was they they got really conservative with their play calling, and and you know another was just some some unlucky things happened as well. I mean, you go back and watch that Vikings game. There's some drop passes and and some balls that are just out of reach um, from Aaron Rodgers, and and maybe that game goes a little bit differently. But the same the same is true for Minnesota. I mean, they they had some opportunities there. Uh, but uh, th- there's still, uh, I think, some some matchups on this side of the ball for the Packers that they can exploit. Uh, and let's talk about the other side of the ball when we come back. How much do you know about your car? You might know what kind of car it is. You might know what color, how to find it in a parking lot. But do you know what kind of oil it takes, what kind of transmission fluid, if you have the right type of windshield wiper fluid, if that's even a thing? If you have a little bit of trouble with that, Rock Auto might be able to help you. You can just enter your make, your model, and the year, and you can then browse through whatever products you want, and it'll sort do all the sorting for you so you can make sure you're getting the right brand of material. You can buy anything on Rock Auto for your car, from windshield wiper blades to oil to new tires, you name it. So head on over to rockauto.com, and if you do buy something over there, if you could go to the How You Heard About Us section and let them know that Locked On sent you. If you don't, I'm getting increasingly worried that my Craigslist roommate is just keeping me around so he can sell my kidney on the black market. All right, guys, we're back here with Crossover Thursday, first one of the week. I'm Luke Braun, host of Locked On Vikings here with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. So let's talk a little bit about when the Vikings have the ball. And this is honestly the side of the ball I'm more concerned about. I think the defense will figure out a way to kind of cover up the holes that it has. But mm-hmm. if you look at the, the two games the Vikings played against Green Bay last year, this is where things fell apart because the Packers figured out and because they run the same scheme as the Vikings do, like Kubiak and LaFleur, they all are a part of the same tree here. And they kind of had that, that backside defensive end, just key on the quarterback. They had, you know, all of the, the right like rush angles and stuff to really exploit those bootlegs and the zone run and all that. And they really cracked the code in a way that nobody else in on the Vikings schedule could, except eventually for San Francisco who copied what the Packers did. Um, so this is like where I've been, I've been super critical of the coaching staff. And this is where I think the coaching staff needs to figure out a way to stop what the Packers are going to do. And if I'm green Bay, I see absolutely no reason not to just run back the exact same game plan, throw, throw, you know, Preston Smith on the backside, have him chase down Kirk cousins, whether it's a run or a pass, you know, have your, your, you know, play gap sound versus zone defense and hope your, your cornerback, you know, play a crap ton of press. Um, there's a great article from Derek Klassen at QB class who yep. broke down both of these men 
matchups. Um, and press was a big thing, like just beat the crap out of digs on, on the line of scrimmage, do that same kind of thing, cover really physical. Um, and you can pretty much stymie the offense. And that is what the Vikings need to figure out. They got to figure out a way to beat the Packers if they want to have any hope of being competitive here, because that really derailed their season. And those two games, if it weren't for those two games, you know, if you, turn around those two games, you win the division, you're like a third seed. That was the hinge. That was the key. So I guess my question to you is, do you think the Packers are going to get the same game plan? And if you were on the Vikings staff, how would you try to counter it? Well, I, I think you, you have to have that game plan in place, but you also have to have what you think the Vikings are going to do to counter it. Because you, you have to think Gary Kubiak has been spending his off seasons scheming up ways to beat exactly what Green Bay did for all the reasons that you just mentioned. What's interesting is Matt LaFleur cut his teeth in the NFL under Gary Kubiak. And so if there's going to be someone who has some insight on how the, the Vikings might counter what the Packers did, it's Matt LaFleur because all LaFleur has to do is say, what would I do? Um, because as you mentioned, it's the same offense. So if you're the Packers, yeah, you want to be able to say, if they're just going to try and do the same stuff, we have to be ready to do that. But you have to have whatever that, that counter is for, for Minnesota. You have to anticipate what that's going to be. If I'm the Vikings, um, what I'm doing is I'm staying big because you, you don't create any advantages by going small. You don't create any advantages going three receivers, especially because the Vikings don't have Stefan Diggs anymore. If they had and you're Diggs talking – you're, you're talking like the physical size of the players, like using more tight ends versus wide receivers. When you right, say like exactly. Small, stay, right? In, yeah, yeah. stay in 21, stay in 12, and, and, and either run the ball, which is the biggest problem the Packers had last year in terms of defense, and then just play action them to death. Because if there was one big flaw the Packers had last year, above and beyond the run defense, is they gave up some big plays because they weren't always disciplined. There was the big play to Diggs in that week two game, because Jair Alexander didn't fill in a cover three where Darnell Savage cut the crosser. And it was that kind of thing where just someone is a step out of position and all of a sudden it's a big play. Go look at what the 49ers did in that first matchup. Not the second matchup because I just don't think that's replicable for the Vikings. But that first matchup, they get Debo Samuel on a clear out crosser and it's a touchdown. They get George Kittle on a, on a variation of a levels concept where he runs a post corner instead of a post, it, it's gorgeous. And the Vikings have some of the guys to do that. If you put Irv Smith in that, in that spot, he has the speed to get down the field and create those opportunities. So I think all the things that the Vikings normally do, they play the least amount of 11 personnel in the league or, or near the top of the league in that. Yeah, that'll go down this year. That was because they only had like two rosterable receivers for a bunch of it. And then you, it was either like play 12 personnel or put Laquan Treadwell right. on the field. And we don't make the same choice. I still think that that's the choice, especially in week one, because you don't know how ready Justin Jefferson is behind him. It's a lot of guys who look like they could be extras in Game of Thrones and you wouldn't know the difference. Like, I, like the names are not necessarily recognizable. And that's a dated reference now, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would be like Tajay Sharp. But yeah, I, I don't think you'd go Tajay right. Sharp with a lot of rotation. It's going to be BC Johnson, uh, Adam Thielen are your top two, and then Justin Jefferson is going to come in as the, the slot, but he can also play outside and kind of rotate between those three, I think, for most of it. What do you, what do you think of, of the way that I've broken down the Vikings' approach here? Is that something you think that they will do, should do? 
Um, I, I think they will like to stay big. They're not going to be big as much as they were last year just because they now have the personnel where they have a choice. They didn't have a choice last year. Um, so they have that personnel. Um, but yeah, I, I think just kill them with play action is is probably close to what they're going to do. But I guess my concern... For, for like one, take last year and turn it up to 11. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And Kirk Cousins is one of the best play action fakes in the league. He always has. And yeah. you know, cornerbacks even talk about it. So the thing is, Matt LaFleur coached Kirk Cousins in Washington. Yeah. So he knows <laughs> that. So I'll be really interested to see what like he and Mike Pettin kind of get together and figure out to see if they can't up their, their game against play action. I guess that's the first kind of big test because I imagine a lot of the Packers season is going to hinge on, can they improve against play action? And this is going to be one where you're going to get a hell of a sample for that. Yeah, and, and I, I do know that the Packers have a couple things up their sleeve in terms of some new coverages, some new personnel packages that they're going to deploy. Expect to see a lot of situations where the Packers have two down linemen, two true down linemen, and three outside linebackers with Zadarius Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary all on the field, and they can all line up pretty much anywhere. Um, Z is, is going to do a lot of roaming, but they could play Rashawn Gary inside. They could play Zadarius Smith inside. And, and play big that way, especially against a team like Minnesota, if you're going to go two tight ends or running back and fullback. I expect that's going to be something that, that you're going to see a lot. So yeah, the Packers are Green certainly Bay, going to have some variations on it. Yeah, if I were Green Bay, I would really want one of the Smiths inside like all the time because the Vikings guards are abysmal. Like, they've got, I mean, Riley Reef is like fine. Brian O'Neill is good. Um, the guards are like not startable. They've got Dakota yeah. Dozier. He's never started, but he's going into his seventh year in the league and he's a starter for the first time. And it's not, he's not a starter for the first time because he suddenly got better in his seventh year. And then you have Pat Elfline, who's been kind of a, a bugaboo for pretty much his whole time here. I would want to put one of the, I'd want Zadarius Smith versus Pat Elfline all day or versus Dakota Dozier all day. I would be trying to take advantage of that versus trying to get weird stuff going on the edge and interior pressure has been usually edge pressure is like more like the, the hashtag analytics say, that edge pressure is a little more valuable against Kirk Cousins. It's kind of the other way around. Kirk Cousins is like uniquely poor against interior pressure. It causes that panic wire to trip in his brain. And then he does like boneheaded stuff. So I would want to get interior pressure and really, really take advantage of those guards. If I were green Bay. We saw the boneheaded stuff last year in the first matchup. Some of the just heave and hope. Oh yeah. Uh, the interception in the end zone. I mean, some of that stuff because guess what? The Vikings had no answer for Kenny Clark. And where, where does he rush from the inside? Oh yeah. He's so. going to crush people again. It's going to be that, that is like the bloodbath that I'm very worried about. You're going to have to keep Dalvin cook in to protect a whole bunch. You're going to have to keep tight ends to, in to protect a whole bunch. You're not going to have the luxury of having five pass catchers on every play. That's the kind of thing. Like that's why I'm way more worried about the offense versus the defense right now than I am about the other side of the ball. I think that's totally fair. How do you see this game playing out? And I, I think if, if it were a regular season, I'd go with the Vikings just off of home field advantage, but home field advantage isn't going to be the same without fans. I mean, they'll pump in some crowd noise and stuff, but you know, you won't get the same like effect it has on officiating that home field advantage has. You're not going to have that same thing. Um, I, I think pressure is going to be a real problem. And if the Vikings can overcome pressure, which is possible, right. With like the use of play action with, you know, check downs to Dalvin cook. If Dalvin cook can do what he did in like the yep. Cowboys game last year, yep. there's a chance here, but I'm not, I'm not taking it. <laughs> I, I, I would bet. I don't know what the line is on this game right now. What is it? Minnesota it's, minus uh, three. Well, yeah, it was before the, the Hunter news broke. I don't know what it is currently, oh. but either way, that, I think that I'd take has the never made, money line. that, that, 
line has never made sense to me because I, I feel like in a normal season, it would be Vikings minus three with fans and with the normal off season. And that's not what we got. I, yeah, I think it probably should have been more like Minnesota minus one and a half or something like that. But Vegas is, is doing weird stuff and, and they know better than me. So I just, I got to trust them, I guess. Yeah. But, I'd still take the Packers money line on that. Uh, yeah. Well, especially if you're going to take the money line, then the points don't matter. So yeah, yeah, and I'm just take you. the plus 140 odds or whatever it is. Right, exactly. So um, I, I like the Packers in this game. I'm with you. I think if it's a normal season and there's fans and a normal offseason, I'd probably take the Vikings just because I think these teams are really even um, in predictable, which is a betting market index, um, which sort of conglomerates all of the the action from from around um, the, the skeezy internet says that these teams are, are basically dead even, or at least they were before the Hunter injury. And I think that's probably true. I just like the matchup more for Green Bay. So I, I don't know that much has changed for the reasons that the Packers won last, the last two games. I don't know that much has changed in this outcome, in, in this game for me to think the outcome is going to be different. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, but it's definitely not something that I think either of us are like 100% slam down the mortgage on it, right? Like no. anything can happen. It's the NFC North. But Peter, thank you so much for uh, hanging out here, doing this crossover. And I forgot when we play the Packers next, but I guess I'll see you then. <laughs> uh, indeterminate number of weeks from now, we'll talk. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. It's like week seven or something, if we make it that far. I think, it, I think it's November. I think it's like week nine. Ah. Oh, you know what? No, it's coming out of the bye. So yeah, it's week nine. I think they have a week or week eight, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, I'll see you then. Doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll talk <laughs> if we have it. We'll talk then. Before we go today, I just want to mention that tomorrow we are coming back. That is new for this show. There's going to be Friday morning shows now, and that's never done that before. This is the first week of that, and I'm super excited, so make sure you come back and listen tomorrow, and we're going to read off some of your bold predictions. I'll send out a tweet on Thursday after this show is live, and then I'll link it in the show notes when it's there so you can go find it, um, or you can just uh, at me on Twitter, send it to me in a DM or whatever, um, and send me your bold predictions about the Vikings-Packers game, but they got to be spicy. They have to be crazy, otherwise I'm going to get bored and I'm not going to read it out on air. And hey, if you're right, how cool is that going to look? This episode has been brought to you by NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. I'll see you guys all tomorrow. And as always, skull.